four kids. Do you, how do you still have hair? I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Less Accounting. Are you looking for a system that makes it easy to track all of your expenses, income, and your budget? Is QuickBooks too much of a pain for you? It was for me, and I switched to Less Accounting, and I love it. It makes things really easy to keep track of and gives me a lot of charts and graphs that make it easy for me to look at and just know where I'm at with my expenses and everything else. One of the owners, Alan Branch, and his son have written a book for entrepreneurs' children that talks about what entrepreneurs do and why they're important. So if you're interested in that, you can go to lessaccounting.com slash hero. Where can you learn from designers at Amazon and Quora, developers at SoundCloud and Heroku, and entrepreneurs like Patrick Ambron from Brand Yourself? You can level up your design, dev, and promotion skills at Level Up Con, taking place October 8th and 9th in downtown Saratoga Springs, New York. Only two hours by train from New York City, this is the perfect place to enjoy early fall at Oktoberfest while you mingle with industry pioneers in a resort town in upstate New York. Get your ticket today at levelupcon.com. Space is extremely limited for this premium conference experience, so don't delay. Check out levelupcon.com now. This episode is brought to you by ProXPN. If you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you never know who might be listening. With ProXPN, you no longer have to worry. ProXPN is a VPN solution which sends all of your traffic over a secure connection to one of their servers around the world. To sign up, go to ProXPN.com and use the promo code TMTCS, short for Teach Me to Code Screencasts, to get 10% off for life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 131 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. Ruben Lerner. Hi, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, Kurt Elster. Howdy. Do you want to introduce yourself, Kurt? For the last five years, I have been steeped in freelancing and internet culture with my startup, EtherCycle, which started life as a software-as-a-service project that failed miserably in the first year, but for the last four years has been very successful as consulting and freelancing, and right now we specialize in e-commerce and all that fun stuff. So are you consulting or are you doing software-as-a-service? Right now, we're doing 95% consulting. Okay. Are you planning eventually to get away from that into software as a service, or are you just kind of seeing where things go? Well, you know, we've had um, some false starts with some software as a service projects where, you know, we start, we feel out the market, we build an MVP, and it doesn't work out. But eventually, one day, I hope to get to, to software as a service. And I've got a, a couple on the horizon that, you know, that I, I think will be the next big thing. But for now, we're just really good at, at freelancing. Awesome. Now, when you contacted us, you actually said that you had done a few other, like, sites that got traffic and made you money. I, right. I... The big deal is Calming Manatee. Calming Manatee is the site that probably most listeners are likely to have, have heard. And... Calming Manatee is a website. It loads just at random one of like 35 images that it's got an inspirational message from a manatee. So it's, it's done in like that meme <laughs> style with impact and whatever. Manatees and, are well known for their inspiring messages, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I have never swam with the manatees. I've never been like within a hundred yards of a manatee, but you know, me and my, my cohorts are now known as the manatee people. But yeah, that started like we were doing at the time, we were doing purely freelancing, consulting, whatever you want to call it. And it was a Friday afternoon and my, my business partner, he was trying to see paranormal activity with one of his friends and they were trying to plan it like among a, bu- a bunch of people. And his friend had sent him a text message that said, let's see a calming matinee instead. 
<laughs> right? And now iOS autocorrect and its wisdom changed that to manatee, and he thought that was the funniest thing ever. So he's like, all right, go register callmanatee.com. And I did not have the foresight. I'm like, that's stupid. Let's not waste our time and $8 on that. So we did. I like, I eventually I gave in. I bought the domain name and we put together 10 images, put it up there and tweeted it once. Like I didn't even tweet it. He did. And then like two days later, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens tweets it. And after that, wow. the thing was everywhere. It was like the first month was a million visitors. The next month was a million visitors. So we put AdSense on it, but like from that, and then Huffington Post called and they're like, Hey, can we interview you? And they've interviewed us twice and a bunch of other people. But after that, it's like, okay, if calming manatee is a thing where we get interviewed by the Huffington Post, then no idea is too stupid for the internet. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to limit your time investment. So really like the system is like, if I could build it in an afternoon or even a day, let's not even think about whether or not it's going to just go out there and do it. That's pretty interesting. So besides the attention, I mean, we're freelancers. We run businesses. Is there money to be made this way? We tried several different things. Initially, I was I was too good for advertising. I was allergic to it. You know, I didn't want to hurt my designer pride or something silly like that. So we tried, like, donations, which is really easy to set up with, like, WePay. We tried selling branded stuff through, uh, I think, Cafe Press. Um, we tried something else. But eventually, we just put AdSense on there. And you know what? AdSense has been running up there for, what, years now. Not a single person has ever complained about it. And AdSense generates thousands of dollars a month, like enough to cover our fixed expenses. Wow. And it's it's really easy. Like once your AdSense account is approved, they just say, here's your code snippet, drop that on whatever website you want. So every time we have one of these ideas, like from day zero, we're putting in the AdSense snippet in case it happens to be huge. Because my biggest regret is not doing AdSense from day one and getting those, like, literally millions of visitors. Huh. Obviously, the money from AdSense is dependent on the traffic. And is the traffic basically a result of, you know, that Pee Wee Herman tweeted it, that, that you got one or two famous people tweeted, and that just sort of led to this domino effect where it became super famous? Or do you think someone without, uh, I mean, not, not that you guys set out to do this, but can someone with an idea just put it up there and still make money? Um, it'll just be a longer, slower, I don't know, slope. If well, it so, get that sort of attention. so we got lucky on the first one. Obviously, we, we thought, all right, lightning struck. Can we make lightning strike twice? So the other big one we did was um, rainycafe.com. And I used to listen to, I'd have in like two browser windows, I'd have coffeetivity.com, which just plays a loop of cafe noise, and rainymood.com, which just plays a loop of um, rain noise. And I'd put open them at the same time so they'd play together. And one day I thought, wait a second, these are just MP3 loops. I could do this myself. So in an afternoon, same deal. I added together some loops, and I made rainycafe.com. And I didn't do the development. I'm not a developer. So I threw together Rainy Cafe, and that same day I sent it to Lifehacker. I said, hey, I made this thing. It produces white noise. You could pick and choose between rain or cafe or both, and that's it. And the next day, Lifehacker, sure enough, posts it. And again, boom, first day, so much traffic, it took down the server. It so really, your cafe, huh? <laughs> yes. Like so, clearly, like at that point, the the formula is build a thing that helps you, then send it to someone who's like it's relevant to, and see what happens. So that could be like post it in a Reddit group or send it to a blog like Lifehacker. And if it's like a genuinely helpful thing to people, why wouldn't they post it? It's interesting. The publicity part seems to be the crucial part here above and beyond just the the site. And that's the part that I think many of us, including me, would say, well, I'll just set up a site and maybe someone will come to it, maybe they won't. But 
clearly you have to have put, it's not just the development and the website effort, it's the publicity effort, and that effort might be an hour, but that seems to be the, the crucial ingredient here from what you're saying. Yeah. Plus and luck. Usually, Plus yeah. luck. <laughs> you know, and usually you just have to look at, like, you know, I'll find sites in a similar niche, look at where they're posted, where the traffic's coming from, you know, just do a bit of Googling, and yeah, an hour is all it takes to figure out, like, all right, here's some people who'd be interested in this. So I have to wonder, I mean, there's a certain allure to having something like this where, you know, you just put something up, you put AdSense on it, you make some money on it. But at the same time, I'm wondering, does this ever drive traffic back to your consulting business? Yeah, so we have other sites where it's more relevant to web development. So like, is this retina.com? That's a website that we built that again for ourselves. It's a calculator that'll tell you, that'll give you DPI um, so you could figure out if something is Retina. But DPI, like we use that for figuring out media queries. And is this Retina has been used. I like I saw it in an article from Fortune. I've seen it in articles from other big publications. But that uh like we run a pop-up on it, and then that the pop-up tries to get people into a drip campaign for improving their conversions, and it runs ads for my productized consulting offering website rescues. And there's also website performance checklist, which is just Here's a checklist of stuff we do to optimize websites. And then, you know, if you want, you could do this yourself for free, go ahead. Or if you don't want to, we'd love to help you do it. We have the price listed on there. But once you have one, you can kind of, you know, you could just have a link to the next one, like build your own link network. Hmm. That's really interesting. Just this, this checklist here. And then I noticed that you also have the pop up, pop over, join our mailing list thing. Which of these is kind of the most important component of what you do? It's tough. I'm torn between the site that has the most traffic and the site that has the most warm, relevant traffic. Mm -hmm. So like website performancechecklist.com gets way less traffic than Rainy Cafe, but those that's a much better audience. But Rainy Cafe, actually, that gets the highest percentage of people who convert to the highest percentage of conversions. So people who sign up for visitors who sign up for the mailing list and then reply to that drip campaign and and it started an engagement with me. That makes sense. Yeah. And it goes two ways. It's sort of like, you know, if no one engages, that's fine because as long as the site can generate enough AdSense revenue to generate, like, to cover the hosting and the cost, then my, I'm at zero. And that happens really very easily. Well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you have it hosted on a VPS or something and. Yeah, we use, yeah. um, we use Linode as a VPS and that's, it's really great. It handles, now that they've updated it, you can throw millions of visitors a day at it. It doesn't even, like, it doesn't even register. Right. So, you know, between all of it with your domain name and everything else, you're talking 50, 60 bucks a year or something. Well, I guess 50, 60 bucks a month. Yeah. And then for each site figure, like the rule of thumb is an afternoon to develop it. So whatever you value that time at. And that's really all any of these sites cost. So how do you come up with an idea like that? Well, so most of the time it's like, it's something that would help us. Like I did, will there be mail today.com and will there be mail today was literally because I was wondering, will there be mail today? And so I just went on um, the USPS website and they have a list. They say, all right, for this year, here's the days we won't deliver mail. So I made a website that's got the little PHP script that just texts the date and then it spits back if there will or won't be mail today. And if not, what the holiday is. And that was funny. I've had a couple people call me where they're like, hey, I wondered if there was mail today. I Googled it, and then this website came up with your name on it, which is funny. And then when the government shut, like, this one does okay, but then when the government shutdown happened, it got tens of thousands a day during the government shutdown, which was great. <laughs> but, like, the critical rule is, though, 
generally it's instead of me trying to sell a thing to someone, it's me solving a need for myself. So like some simple utility or tool that solves a problem I'm having. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I'm trying to think of things that I could do and my my brain is just coming up short. I have built stuff like this in the past though. For example, I built yearly scheduler or something like Right. So for us, like literally all of them, if we have tried to sit, if we'd like, like, let's sit down, you know, let's have lunch and we'll figure out the next project. That has literally never worked. It has to be, you know, you have these eureka moments where it's like, oh, you're just sitting there and you're trying to, you're like, oh, I wish there was something that did X. Every time you say to the self, yourself, I wish there was a way to do X, like that's your opportunity right there. Right. And then you pair it down to something that you could build in an afternoon. Yeah, then you just build it down to its its minimum viable form. Yeah, so it's yearscheduler.com that I built, and I got a spreadsheet from Chris Ducker at a conference, mm-hmm. and uh, I hate spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us. Yeah, nothing personal, but I hate spreadsheets, and you know, so I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I can throw something together in jQuery in like two or three hours, and and that's really what I did, you know. So I spent a few hours throwing it together, put some authentication around it, so you can actually save your calendar. And yeah, that was, that was it. So, you know, and what it is, is you just go in, you just put some labels on some colors and then you just click on the days to get them to be the different colors. So then you can, you know, if you have conferences or holidays is one of the ones that I put in there, but you know, just things that I knew that I had going on, I could actually get in and see what I had going on for the year. So vacations, trainings, you know, webinars, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of the route I took with that. And yeah, it was just something really dumb that I could put together that people could use. So yeah, no, that that's beautiful. That's a perfect example of this. You really built it. Like you use something existing to save time. Um, you built it for yourself and you even say that flat out in the first paragraph of the description. Yeah. This is a, a good example of a, one of our lab style projects. Yeah. You know, and no one's really using it, but I haven't really publicized it either. So is there a good way for me to get the word out about something like this? So this thing, like right away, this is something that'd be really helpful that would grow well in a community. So I would cruise Reddit, like the freelancing sub forum. And if someone, I wouldn't post it or promote it. You could, but sometimes people look down on that. But I generally look for something that has this, someone who would have this problem where you could say, hey, you know, you have this problem. I've built a tool for myself to solve it. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And once you have, like, if you could just get one person to say, this is great, that goes a huge way toward getting it out there. Like the magicemail.com um, is a one page website I made that just describes a single line email I use all the time with clients. And that has done really well on Reddit just because some, not even me, someone else posted it in a, uh, in Reddit slash R slash freelancing. And then I followed up with it. It does well. I get a lot of traffic from Reddit. But it's just because someone was like, hey, how do I follow up to X email? And sometimes you don't, like, once it's out there, you don't know what's going to happen to it. Like, it looks like in a pickup artists type forum on Reddit, there's someone who's, who asked the question, and I got a ton of traffic from this, was like, hey, you know, how do I follow up with a girl via text message? And someone gave them the magic email.com. And I'm like, all right, that's totally not what that's meant for, but thank you for the traffic. You're looking for the magic breakup.com. Yeah. Um, I'm curious though, like these things though do convert. I mean, it's not just fun and it's not just ad revenue, but do they turn into leads for your consulting business? Yeah. The magic email has put me in touch with a lot of freelancers and that's turned into a referral network. So people are like, Hey, I saw the magic email is really helpful. Um, those people often subscribe to my email. 
um, just because they want to hear what I have to say, and then they'll start referring me work. So that's always very positive, and referrals are hugely powerful, as you know. And then a website like Website Performance Checklist that really gets people to convert. But yeah, once you've got, you know, you've got this stream of traffic, you could really do whatever you want with it. Just looking at something like this, what do you recommend once you've built this and you're starting to drive traffic to it? How do you start making it convert to the other traffic? Do you just put your email form on there and put some AdSense on it and call it good or what? <laughs> so yeah, step one right away, throw AdSense on it. If no, literally no one has ever complained to me that an ad is on something. And I think that's people's fear. Once you've got that AdSense account, I will put AdSense on everything. I've even had people say that putting ads on things makes it seem more professional because they expect ads to be on like quote unquote real things. Mm-hmm. So that's very helpful. And then the thing I've been doing in the last few months is just a pop-up form with an email sign up. So I use GitDrip for that. I love Drip. I used to use MailChimp. Drip is much easier. And I run that on there. And again, same deal. Like I thought I've got this evil pop-up modal where people would have to escape out of it or close it. Not a single complaint. So, you know, people self-select. Either they're going to ignore it and keep using my thing for free, or they'll sign up for my email course and get more engaged, or they'll click the ad. But yeah, it's only as complicated as, as GitDrip is running, you know, just is making that effort, seeing if you could do it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I'm really just kind of letting this sink in. Yeah, I mean, there there are other little issues that I would like to solve, and there are things that I could solve fairly easily. I am kind of curious, what about the ideas that you get where it's like this big idea? So it would be a multi-day, multi-week, or multi-month project, but you're also reasonably sure that people would want to use it. Do you start then going through processes to figure out what people want instead of, you know, just, oh, this would take me an afternoon, boom, done, put it out there? Well, so it sort of depends. For mo- Like, if someone comes to me with an idea... The thing I want to do right away is validate it. Like if I know it's going to cost someone money, cost them money, cost me money, or, you know, it's going to take a long time to develop, which that has an opportunity cost for me, then I I want to validate it. So I may interview like the target market and see if it works. That's been really insightful. And even if people like validate an idea, they may give you a different direction or a new idea to go in. But yeah, interviews, I've been interviewed by people for their like as part of, if like web agency owners, their target market people have reached out to me. And that's always very helpful. Otherwise, really my question is not so much will people use it, but how am I going to get people to find it? I think like the real truth of building a startup business, and I've had several, I've built several startup and SaaS businesses that have failed. The real truth is, you know, if you build it, will anyone care? You know, and I've got clients who come to me with, and they're like, Oh, I've got this great idea and you have to sign my NDA. And it's like, no one cares, buddy. That's the problem with these things. So the the real question is, how are you going to market it? How are you going to get people to it? And how are you going to make money with it? That makes sense. Do you want to talk for a minute about your failed startups? Sure. So originally, yeah, well, I, uh, I was working, I was e-commerce product manager. And I hated my job. And like going to work made me want to cry. And one day it made me, I actually did cry before I went to work. So I said, okay, I'm going to quit. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So went in, gave me two weeks notice. And then that weekend in the shower, I'm like, all right, I'm going to build a e-commerce platform for bike shop owners. And it automatically fills out the product inventory. So they just click the brands they carry and it'll fill out the product inventory. And it turned out it was incredibly hard to wrangle that industry and make it work. So after 12 months, we had failed at it. Like after 12 months, we said, listen, this isn't working. Let's stop developing this. But in the meantime, I had people like literally knocking in the door, local small businesses saying, hey, can you help us with our our website. And I'd been turning them away. And I said, wait a second, what? there's literally people coming to my door trying to hand me money. Why am I telling them no? So that's how I ended up in, you know, building, initially just building brochure websites for small businesses. 
And then the others have really just been either like we build an MVP or try and validate the idea and it doesn't work out. So for those, you sort of plan for failure. You say, this is the minimum amount of effort I'm going to put into it. Let's get to there and then see what happens. So, and I've done a couple that didn't work out. One was like a Provely was a, like a mock-up tool for designers. And it was just, that was a really competitive space, tough to generate interest. Datebox, which was like a social dating service. And that one got interest, but like not enough. So that's really the toughest position to be in is like, do you have interest in a, a product and you're wondering if you should build it or not? And, you know, now I'm, I'm working on a new one that hopefully will, it's for freelancers. I probably shouldn't talk about it. We can get it, uh, hopefully in January. I, I will circle back and tell you if it worked out or not. So, uh, when you're validating it, you talk to folks, you find out what they need. How do you figure out whether or not people really will buy it or whether or not it will have enough interest? Probably the best and simplest way is, um, to use a service. Like if you just want the bare minimum, easiest path to figure out if an idea is worth your time or not is build a, you know, register a domain name, set up a service like Launch Rock, or if you're, you're skilled, build it yourself where you're just asking people to give you their email address to know when this service launches. And if people aren't willing to give you their email address just to know if when this service is going to happen, then automatically you know like, you know, you've positioned it wrong or you've got the wrong traffic or it's just not a good idea. Yeah. That but that's sense. yeah. Just trying to build a, a list in advance should be like your MVP for any big project. It sounds so simple when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people overthink it or they like they bite off too much to start you know, and that's what I did with my first software as a service project. Like I had like five years planned out and tried to go and no, just figure out if anyone will give you money for whatever your idea is. Well, it, it makes sense to me in the sense that it's, are you even remotely interested in, in a solution to this problem? Or are you even remotely right. interested in something that does X, Y, and Z that will give you these results? And so then, you know, it's not, well, why don't you tell me that this is the perfect solution for you is just, you know, do you have a vague interest in car repair yeah. manuals for dogs or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, really, it's, you know, do you have this problem? Would you be willing to solve it or how much would you pay to solve it? Right. But first figure out if, like, the problem you think people have, if they if they think they have the problem, if they haven't figured out they have the problem, then, you like, automatically you probably have an issue. Yeah, that makes sense. And then when you actually go to sell it to people, do you usually come out with a prototype of some kind that they can go look at? Or yeah, so, my so next... what's kind of the next step? So the, the next step would be MVP. And I'm like, I mean a real MVP. I know a lot of people say like, oh, this is my minimum file product. They have too many bells and whistles or it's too polished. Just figure out one single like function or problem that you're solving and see if you could build like the most ghetto possible version that will solve it. And if people look at that version and they still say, wow, this is great. This would make my life so much easier. Then you know you're on the right track. It makes sense. So one other question I have is, do you ever start on one service or one product and then realize that there's a tangential product that may be more lucrative or maybe more interesting? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of iteration. So everything we do, like down to the, the smallest, shortest project is still about revising and iterating. And if that takes you in a separate direction, I mean, if, if customers are telling you like, oh, I want to do X, you know, find out why, figure out what people's pain are. And that may reveal either a new feature or an entirely new product. Yeah. Do you keep focused on the original product then or do you pivot? Oh, no, I'm a, I'm all about pivoting. I mean, really, I mean, that's our origin was listening to people's problems, hearing that people really just wanted small business websites and not this like fantastic e-commerce platform solution I was trying to divine and pivoting entirely, being willing to give up on that original project 
realizing it's not a failure if you pivot and moving on to something new. I think a lot of people will like grasp and latch onto a product and keep trying to make it work because they think if they don't make it work, it's somehow a failure. No, it's not at all. If you're moving on, if you're saying, all right, this is what we learned from that, and here's our next steps, here's the next thing we're going to do, then that's hardly a failure. I'm curious. To, I mean, this is amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by it, but I'm also curious how all this fits together with your client work because you said that you do also client work as well. What proportion of your time do you spend on your own products and projects, and what proportion do you spend with clients? And it would seem to me, and I, I think it's more of a statement than a question, but it seems to me that you're using the products as a way of you know getting new clients, but also to funding your time so you're less dependent on client work. Absolutely. No, I mean, you're right on all counts. So what's going on here is, and my partner would call them palate cleansers. So those short little labs projects, you do those between big client projects to cleanse your palate. It's sort of a thing you're doing by yourself. You're only answering to yourself and it feels great to finish it. So that's one aspect. But the other aspect, yeah, is if you've got, is diversifying your income sources. So if you've got a passive income source that has enough to cover your fixed expenses, then you don't have to take on those terrible red flag clients when you're in a pinch because it doesn't happen anymore. Um, and as far as time goes, it's the 80-20 rule. I mean, generally, if in an ideal world, we do client work Monday through Thursday, and then Friday we kick a, a labs project out the door every Friday. It doesn't always work like that, but the you know, doing that, that 80, 20, that 20% time is what, is how we negotiate it. So what, what is the most interesting thing that you've done? It could be a kind of one of these mini sites or a, a major project. Okay. So if I had to pick the most interesting client website we did, the thing we hold up, our, our flagship that really impresses clients is we did a contest website for Verizon and NFL mobile, um, that supported a campaign that aired during the NFL. It was called fight or during, um, the Super Bowl called uh, Fight Foam Off. And that was just like, that was the same thing. It was, they said, listen, we're up against a deadline. We've got to get a website out fast. Can you do this? And and we said, yeah, that's our labs projects. We can get this out the door quickly and we're going to make it an MVP and here's how we're going to do it. So in that sense, that really paid off for us where we both got these two huge brand names and got to handle things as um, just the same way we would a site like Calming Manatee. And those... um the fight foam off campaign. It's no longer around. I have it. You could see it as a case study on ethercycle.com, but otherwise they've been taken down. Probably the, for our own personal projects, the most interesting for me has been, I mean, it's a toss up between calming manatee and rating cafe. Rating cafe has been interesting in how the international success it's seen. So it's actually the most popular in Saudi Arabia. I don't know why, but it is. It's, it's hugely popular there. And most of the traffic comes from stumble upon. And then the number two country it's huge in is Japan. And then number three is the United States. That confounds me. I have no explanation for it. Like, I don't understand the culture. I don't know why it would be would be successful there, but it is. So what's the thing that people usually drop the ball on when they're doing this stuff? No matter what it is, people overthink it. And when you overthink it, you start making excuses to save yourself from failure. I think that's everybody's scared of putting themselves out there and then failing. And you have to let that go. And the less time you invest in something, obviously, like the less fearful you are about failure, the lower the risk. I mean, that's for when clients come to freelancers, you know, and they're asking for stuff like lower prices and, and all kinds of favors. Really what they're saying is, I'm scared. I want to lower my risk. And freelancers do it to themselves too with their own projects. So like each time you tack a feature onto some project or like something that supposedly is stopping you from launching a website that you're working on, 
you're just saying like i'm scared of putting this out there and failing no it's fine put it out there if no one visits it then revise it reiterate now it seems to me and maybe i'm wrong that these small sites you've done have mostly been you putting stuff up um you know you putting content up I, I'm curious. I know that there are also like you know participatory sites or I don't know community blogs where hey everyone why don't you come tell us your stories or give us your jokes or give us your recipes. Have you ever done something like that? Do you think that can work as well using this model or is that different or more complicated? Well, okay. If you're going to do that, you have to have someone moderate it, and that's going to be a, a huge time sink. So with Calming Manatee, we allow people to submit a new manatee. And initially, we, we made it very easy for people to do it. And I was getting dozens a day. And you know what? 95% of that stuff is junk. Like as incredibly specific as I could get with the guidelines, people ignored it. So I'd get stuff that was like wildly off base or like, you know, horribly compressed or complete. Like I've to this day have never gotten one that's sized correctly. And that's sort of the problem with those community projects. Like, what you see on community-driven websites has been moderated. So you're really looking at the top 1%. Like, you don't see the night, the bottom 99% where people just, like, do and say the most horrific things. And that's that kind of one of the problems with the, the Internet and anonymity. I'm sure there's ways around it, but I have never been good at community building. So your thing is definitely, and I, I realize you said this already, I guess, but just to reiterate it, small things that would be useful to you and just get it out there, mention to people who are interested in it, and if it works, fantastic. And if not, tweak it some more. But make it such a a low threshold task that it's neither onerous to work on nor hard to tweak. Absolutely. Yeah. Build a minimum viable product for yourself. And I'm going to define minimum viable, minimum viable product for you right now as you can build it in 24 hours. And then after that, revise it. Like if it works, great. Start revising it, making it better. And if it doesn't, then decide, like, do I want to spend more time on this or do I want to move on to the next thing? I'm curious, how many people work at your company and then how many of them work on these sorts of sites? Full time, there, there are three of us, including me. And only uh, the, the three partners work on the 20 percent time projects. For everything else, I've got, depending on the day and the projects, one to four contractors, 1099 people who work on stuff. But I would never, never ask them to work on or take on one of these labs projects. Huh. All right. I'm so curious about the e-commerce part of your business. I know that's not exactly uh, so. When you say that you do e-commerce sites, mm-hmm. does that mean you, know, like you do it stem to stern? Does that mean you go in and do improvements? You know, sort of. What's your take on that? I mean, I know that's not okay. exactly the topic we're supposed to talk about, but yeah, g- give us tips for e-commerce. You know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I would love to. In our our consulting business, we've pigeonholed ourselves for our our small business clients into Shopify, and I I dearly love Shopify as a platform. Um, if you're in e-commerce, you take a look at it. I'm a big Shopify evangelist. But th- probably the ideal client is someone who already has an e-commerce store and it makes money. So let's say it makes 30 grand a month, which in the e-commerce world is decent. It's uh, wonderful to have those people who already have a, a moderately good store and just want you to make it better. So you could come in, like we like to come in and say, okay, here's a list of, of five things that's wrong with it. Let's try it. Let's fix these five things, and I promise your conversion rate will improve. And if it doesn't, you know what? I will fire myself. We'll never work with you again. Like, that really isn't a meaningful thing, but it seemingly takes the risk out of it for the client. So we turn that into a, a productized offering called Website Rescues, where $2,500, about roughly $2,500, will come in, we'll make 30 to 40 best practice fixes to an existing working e-commerce site, preferably with Shopify. And we promise it's a... A two to five X ROI. 
And again, if you talk about ROI with your clients, that really, really takes the risk out from them and you're much more likely to, to close those deals. For the most part, all I really want to do is make a website obvious and easy to use. So I'll look at the client's site and then just walk through buying a product. Like, is it obvious where I find it? How do I get there? And then walk through buying it and get to the checkout. And most of the time, like, by the time I've gotten from the home page to the product page, that's like 15 things I found wrong already. And just like the, the labs projects, I'm really just looking at, all right, how would I make this easier for myself? If I'm the customer, how do I make this easier? And I guess it's sort of like, you know, I, I go to the clients and they ask me about web technologies or databases or whatever. And I mean, it's not boring to me because I enjoy interacting with them, but things that are so obvious to me are, it, it's so new to them. And they're like, right. wow, where did you come up with this stuff? So I assume it's the same with you when you come up with these best practices. You've been around the block a long time. You've seen it before. You can just say this, 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 this. And they're excited to get these ideas. And for you, it's like, well, obviously that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to break the ice and, and get the relationship started. So if I meet someone at a networking event, I'll say, hey, you know, what's your, you know, if they have a, if they have an e-commerce website or even just a website that's centered around some kind of conversion, I'll say, you know what? Here's my card. Send me your URL tomorrow morning and I will send you back five things that I promise will improve your conversion rate. And I don't worry about it because every website, like I guarantee you could come up with five things to improve it. And you don't have to be some kind of conversion rate expert. You just have to be a person who's used the internet before. Like every website has some <laughs> kind of like weird, like weird idiosyncrasy where you could say, geez, why, why are you doing that? But because the owner, the client is entrenched in it, they have no idea. Like they, it's, they've become invisible to them. So if you point out those five things where you're like, why is this text like unbelievably tiny? Why can't I read this? They're like, oh, good point. That's really funny and really interesting. So how do you funnel people toward that product, that, you know, upgrade product or whatever for their e-commerce site? So for website rescues, I've been using retargeting. I've been using perfect audience and it's really a, an incredible system. So if someone's already visited your website, you know, they're, they have some familiarity with you. So then with perfect audience, you can show them ads on Facebook where you know everybody's spending 10% of their time at work at least on Facebook and it'll show them ads from you. And that really reduces the cost of, of pay-per-click advertising. You get them back into that website or back into some kind of newsletter page. And then I try and funnel them into a drip campaign. And the drip campaign has been hugely helpful. So by the time someone actually gets in touch with me, they've gotten like five to 10 emails from me already through the strip campaign and they're very familiar, but you have to write it in a natural voice. I know like a lot of people on their first time out and my first time out, like you write it very professional and in business prose and that's the wrong thing to do. Write it casual, write it in your natural voice. And then when people talk to you, they they feel like they already know you. Tell me more about this perfect audience thing. I mean, I just went to their website, but what it sounds like you're saying is you put something on your site that sort of keeps track of people. And then mm -hmm. when those same people then go to Facebook, they see ads for you and they're going to be shown ads for you because they've already been on your site. And it's just sort of a, a, a reinforcing thing. Yeah. So retargeting, it's just ad retargeting. Perfect audience makes it incredibly simple. So you just put a cookie on your website. It builds a list. If you want to get really fancy, you can segment that list based on what URL they visit. And then you could show ads to that list. And the default standard for it is to show ads on, on Facebook. But it also does Twitter and web ads. And it, it's hugely powerful. So the problem with pay-per-click ads is normally it's a shotgun approach. You're showing ads to a huge range of people and you don't know if they're qualified or not. Well, with perfect audience, you know these are people who've already been to your website. And that traffic is, it's warm leads. It converts way better. That is really clever. 
And when you say you do a drip campaign, then what's the drip campaign about? Is it sort of how to work with you or your process or how to do marketing? Well, so with a drip campaign, uh, general, like the successful drip campaign, you want to give valuable information. You don't necessarily, your primary focus can't be selling them. So my drip campaign is, is five days to a, a better website, a website that converts better. Um, and it, the promise we make, you want to give them some hard quantifiable benefit. So we say we promise, you know, you implement these five things and it can give you up to a 2x boost on your website conversions. So we do five days. Um, and each day is a, a different lesson on how to just website best practices. And then after that, we say, okay, please unsubscribe if I, this hasn't been valuable or you don't want any more information. Otherwise, stick around and we'll keep sending you stuff. After that, I just send them something, a weekly newsletter every seven days, not unlike Eric Davis does. And that keeps them engaged because you don't know, like, you don't know at what position in the buying cycle a client is. They could be fresh to it. They could be ready to buy right then, which happens. You know, if you're lucky, they'll call you, but they could be, you know, just looking now and getting their feet wet and really looking to build their site or do whatever in six months from now. So that's where it's helpful to, to get them into that weekly newsletter. So are the things in your drip campaign that you're telling them to do, are they things that they can do or are they things that you recommend be done? Well, it's impossible to know what level of, of tech expertise it is uh-huh. um, the person has, but I try to keep it as, as simple as, as possible. So, so generally, somebody with a little bit of technology should be able to do what you're talking about. Then, yes, yeah, I don't. You don't want to scare people off with with jargon, right? That's really interesting. And then you just package it for a set price and go from there. Yeah, for that product for website rescues, yeah, we've just got we've got a, a fixed price, a fixed turnaround, and fixed deliverable. And the big advantage to the client is it again, it's it's mitigating risk that reduces their risk. So they know, like, here's how long it's going to take, here's exactly what it's going to cost, and here's what I'm going to get for my money, and here's the outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's really all anyone's looking for when they buy something. Right. That makes sense. I'm curious, though. Uh, like, So if someone comes to you and they say, I need a website rescue, and they, you know, everything seems great, you see lots of opportunity, they like what you're doing, they like the price, they like the turnaround, do you have any limits on what sorts of technologies you'll do? Are there any limits on how many fix deals you'll do? I mean, obviously, for a fixed price, it's not going to be an unlimited number of things and you can't possibly know every technology out there. Right. So yeah, if it's a platform I'm not familiar with or a platform I don't think we should do, I will flat out tell them, I'll be like, listen, I don't work with this technology or this platform. Like if it was on ASP, I wouldn't even touch it. You still want to have a good customer experience. So I'll say, here's someone who, who could help you with this project and make a referral. But there's a bit of cherry picking there. So you do still, even though it's a product, it's still a service. It's still my time. So I do want to qualify people and make sure it's a good fit. Yeah, that makes sense. And do any of these people go on to be longer-term customers, or do they see it as a product and it ends as a product? Well, no, no, no. It's a, a test of the relationship. So the that first engagement is a bit like a first date, you know. And if it it works okay, maybe they come back, and maybe that's you know they're just happy and they they go with what they have. But so far, literally everybody who has purchased the website rescue has gone on to you know either purchase more small items, come back for strategy or advice. Or uh, in a, a handful of cases, gone on to doing a, a full website redesign down the road. Very neat. I'm going to steal this. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, so my my embarrassment is that I actually thought of doing something like this a few years ago, and I put up a website for it, and then did nothing with it. Literally nothing. Oh uh, no. no! No, actually, maybe not nothing. I think I mentioned it on my website, which is as close to doing nothing as possible without actually doing nothing. <laughs> now, granted, you know, I was busy and doing a PhD and family and all sorts of other stuff, 
but it's a fantastic idea and a smart business idea. And I'm pleasantly impressed that you actually pulled it off. Um, oh, thank you. You would have been more impressed if you had pulled it off, right, Ruben? I would have been delighted if I pulled it off, but you know, quite frankly, I don't, I don't know when I would have the time for it or when I would have had the time for it then. So I'm glad that someone who actually could put the time into it can do it. And you know, there is only room for one person doing web development in the universe. That's so right. clearly Kurt stole the, uh, <laughs> stole the show on that one. Yes. No, it's, I get that. It's kind of, it's interesting to bring that up. So a lot of time I've had people bring this up, like people who are new to the industry usually, or sometimes my mother, they'll be like, oh, you're giving away your secrets. I'm like what secrets? You know, every website, you know, every business needs a website or more. I believe it's additive. So I put those things out there and, and it helps everybody. But it's, I would say it's even more than that. Cause like, I mean, I give a lot of classes and teaching and everything and it never ceases to amaze me how, first of all, the things that you think are simple, that even when you're giving away your secrets, it takes people a long time to sort of absorb them and understand them. Um, right. And sec, and secondly, you're connecting dots that they, don't even see connections between. And so if you're giving secret A and secret B and secret C, fine, but it's that combination that really gives you your power and your expertise as a consultant. Yeah, absolutely. So really quickly, and this is more of a technical question, but how do you figure out what platform people are on? Do you just ask them when you're qualifying them? Well, you know, I've been doing it long enough. It's, you know, I know the, like, the footprint that a lot of platforms have. Like, usually I'll, I'll just try and guess at the law. Like, I'll look at what kind of server it's on, or like who the name server is. And then I'll, I'll just try and guess at what the login page is, or I'll even look at like what kind of URLs the assets use. You figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Step one, I hack the server. No. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I, it's a good way to raise your rates. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's been a while since I've actually had to ask somebody. What I'll say, I'll come back. I'll say, it looks like you're on. I'll be like, and either it's, you know, it's, that's great. We've done, you know, plenty of experience with that, or it looks like you're on this. We don't work with that, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Awesome. All right, well, I think we're about at the end of our time. Are there any other things that we should have asked that we didn't before we wrap up? Uh, no, no, this is this has been hugely helpful. Awesome. Well, then we'll go ahead and do the picks. Eric, do you want to start us off with the picks? Sure. So uh, about a week ago or whatever, I've been using a, a water bottle that's, that's plastic, but it's um, one of the better ones, and it has like a little like a sippy cup mouth or whatever you want to call it. And I've been having problems getting it clean. Like it felt like I was cleaning it every week and even like donking it in uh, vinegar to kind of sanitize it. it. felt like it just wasn't as good as it used to be. Uh, so about a week ago, I ordered, um, it's called a clean canteen. It's basically a stainless steel water bottle thing. And I got one for me and then my wife got one that's insulated. And, you know, I drink a lot of water in the day, but actually having this and it's not something like you have to drink out of it's, it's you tilted up like a normal glass. I've been drinking probably two or three times as much water now. Um, the nice thing is it's just stainless steel with a, you know, kind of a ceiling top and it's really, really easy to clean. I don't have to worry about, you know, having mold or anything growing in it. Um, so if you, you know, it's summertime right now and we're recording this, if you are still trying to figure out how to drink a lot more water or nice thing of this, you can put coffee, tea or whatever else in it too. Um, it's a nice little container to carry and you can take it on the go too. Um, like I said, my wife's using the insulated one and she uses that for coffee in the morning and then water at, during the day at, at work. So they have that too. And I think it's like two or three hours for hot and like 12 hours for cold in the insulated. So it's pretty nice if you like ice water. All right. Reuven, what are your picks? So I have two picks, maybe two and a half picks for today. First one is, um, I've mentioned before, I mean, everyone has probably heard of it, This American Life, which is a radio show and podcast. 
So their episode, as we're recording this now last week, so it's their episode number 533 was called It's Not the Product, It's the Person. And they spent the first two-thirds of it, they could argue it was the last third as well, but I found that story to be incredibly boring. But that, it was all about people selling and having businesses. And they had a story about this girl who's in business for herself, which was just inspiring. And then one of the reporters who was on This American Life and then started Planet Money, which is a great podcast of economics, Alex Bloomberg, he's now doing a podcasting startup. And he had a whole 20-minute discussion of what it means to go into business for yourself. He literally has never held a job at any for-profit company in 20 or 30 years. And so, <laughs> maybe, maybe ever. And so it was a very painful thing to listen to, to hear him talk about his business, and then to go pitch a venture capitalist on his business. Um, not that I'm running to pitch, to pitch to VCs, but it was really, really interesting to hear someone who's outside the business world trying to get into it and some of the obstacles they feel and they experience and what they think is and is not important. So that's the first one. Second one is I did a webinar yesterday on functional programming in Python. So that's like my half pick, which is I had so much fun doing it. I definitely recommend if people like presenting, if they like teaching, if they like getting out, I'm totally going to do more webinars because it was just so, so, so much fun. I used GoToWebinar, which was okay, but it didn't have or did not seem to have a multi-way chat for everyone to talk. So someone on the webinar said, oh, why don't we just use talk.io? I'd never heard of it before. I was thoroughly impressed. It was easy to use. It was fast. It was free for our group, at least. And so I can definitely recommend using Talk.io, which is, of course, TLK.io, as a quick, fast, fun, easy-to-use chat tool that can accompany other things such as webinars. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Awesome. I have one pick. It's a tool I've been using lately. It's called Boomerang. It's a plugin for Gmail. Oh, I love Boomerang. I've been oh using that gosh. thing every day. So I am terrible at following up. And by terrible, I mean terrible. I just, I don't know what my deal is. I just, I really can't. So with Boomerang, it's really nice because I'll send somebody an email and it's like, hey, well, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to get together? And they're like, well, I can't for a few weeks. So I say, no problem. I'll check in with you in a few weeks. And then I tell Boomerang to remind me in a few weeks. And it just brings it right back into my inbox. And then I go and I bug them in a few weeks. And it's so nice. If there are people that I want to keep in touch with, like say uh, we have this guy named Kurt on the podcast and I, you know, I want to, you know, keep in touch with him and stuff, you know, same thing, you know, it's, it's, Hey, you know, Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And then I, I set myself basically a reminder. If I don't hear from Kurt within the next week, he probably got busy and I should email him again. And so I use boomerang, you know, just remind me in a week unless, and it has that option in there unless he emails me back. And so just super nice. So uh, I can't say enough nice things about that. So uh, that that's my pick. And then I also want to throw out a quick reminder that we're going to be doing the live Q&A that we talked about last week when we talked to Tim Page. So if you want to get that, go to freelancersanswers.com and you can get the information there. Kurt, what are your picks? All right. My pick, the book that changed my business life for the best in the last year is a, a wonderful but ridiculously titled read from 1973 called Winning Through Intimidation by Robert Ringer. This was the book that really changed like my psychology and my mindset about how I approach relationships and, and business, and it's been hugely helpful for me. Add to wish list. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for coming, Kurt. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time and sharing your expertise. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you all next week.
This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the Freelancer Show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a forum that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash forum. 